Today on the podcast, I am talking with the fantastic Matthew Kent, and we are going to be talking about all things making money and almost specifically making money online. So in this conversation, we're going to talk about the one thing and one way that you can make money. And it's really the only way to make money. This episode is for you if you're looking for a little extra cash, if you're looking to expand your business, if you're looking to work on your money mindset, or if you're just looking to listen in on a fantastic conversation around all things entrepreneurship. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to this episode of the Virtually Free Podcast. Today's guest is Matthew Kent. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I will definitely tell the audience, or I'm going to start uh, by telling the audience how we came into each other's paths. Yep. And by that, I mean more so I was on a deep, deep, deep binge of medium. It happens about once every six to eight months. I don't know what it is. I just take one day and I just read everything. Um, And then I came across you and your articles. And for people that have been listening, they know I've said this in self-deprecating comments on this podcast a few times is I'm not a money person. I'm not great at it. And that's why I always get people to help in my courses that I create with the money aspect, because I just, you don't want me teaching you about money. So um, the article that um, I came across, I can't, I, I never remember which one it is. I know you know, I because I read so many of them, but there was the first one. What was it? I think it was, there's only one way to make money is I think the one you, you put in the email. Yes, that one. Yeah, obviously. Um, I just, I found that so interesting. And I think you have it somewhere else. I remember seeing it somewhere else where you were like, there's only one way uh, to make money. Um, But with this piece, like what made you feel the need to write it? Because it's kind of a controversial statement. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, so what's interesting with me is that um, I think my path is probably pretty typical of of a lot of people. You know, growing up and going to school, I was kind of like, why am I here? I, maybe there's just a little bit of like a rebellious spirit in me. But, you know, I mean, I, I understand the point of school overall. It's like we got to educate the young people. But there's this sort of like weird, nebulous idea that like, okay, I'm here and I'm going to learn what I need to know to make it in the real world. And then it's like, well, what does it even mean to make it in the real world? Well, it's like, well, a big part of that is, you know, you got to make enough money to, you know, feed your family and to do the stuff you want to do and, and survive and all that. And so that kind of like, has this progression or this path of like you go to school and then probably you go to college and like you decide on a a career and like you you get into that but you know you're sitting there like throughout the course of the day and you're like you know you're in high school and you're like I just learned about the difference between like an igneous and a a sedimentary rock and like I have I have no idea like how I'm supposed to use this and they don't teach you about the the topics that then you really need to know about like well okay like you know, you're, you're doing all this so that you can make it in, in the real world and, you know, mm-hmm. have a good living and make money, but nobody ever actually stops and like says, well, here's how we think about doing that, you know? And, um, you know, there's different reasons that people get into teaching. Um, but you know, uh, some of them really like to, you know, teach. And so that's why they're there. But in all honesty, like some of them are probably just there cause they just kind of need a job. 
And so they don't even necessarily know how to make money. You know, they're just, they know their subject and they got a degree in, you know, whatever science and they're teaching that to you. And uh, so at some point, you know, I ended up in this like soul crushing dead end job and, you know, I was looking around like, okay, I could, you know, pursue climbing the corporate ladder. But the problem with that, I mean, that's not like a bad path for everybody necessarily, but I was looking around and I'm like, man, my boss is like answering emails at two in the morning and traveling for work all the time and, you know, has all kinds of stress and is constantly complaining. And like, that's not something I want for myself. And uh, I I kind of realized like, man, if I'm going to, you know, really like, I I basically need to make up for what uh, was lacking in my education. Like if I'm going to figure out how this making money thing works, like I'm going to have to start thinking about it and figuring out uh, for myself. And uh, that's how we ended up with the, uh, with the piece that you read. Yeah. It's, it's so true though. Like we aren't taught a lot of very important things. characteristics or maybe not characteristics but things that you need to learn in order to hashtag adults right like in this space money there's like emotional intelligence that we're not taught that i i'm a firm but like that's my jam like we gotta we gotta be nice people you know and just certain elements that it to me it's so integral to the growth of humanity that we're just leaving it out um and i i think it's funny because as you said you're like i was in this i was in the corporate ladder kind of game or I was about to climb it or whatever, because that's what we're told. And that's kind of what they're telling you to do or a school kind of molds you to do to all, what does it all become managers? I think that's kind of the idea of university or whatever. But, um, but to go back to this article, like you talk about like, there's only one made way to make money but aren't there like a billion (laughs) like so if we want to go down that direction and look at it from that perspective i'd say more than a billion a billion billion right there's there's infinite ways to make money one of the things i've been thinking about recently is that like some of the ways that people are making money today and some of them are making really good money like life-changing mega riches kind of money uh, didn't even exist 10 years ago like if we go back in time 10 years ago and say, hey, did you know that, you know, there are people becoming multimillionaires doing something called being an Instagram influencer? Yeah. People would be like, what? You know, I was just, uh, I was reading about, um, cause you know, wh- when I was growing up, like one of the things that people would tell us is like, uh, hey, you gotta stop playing the video games. Cause <laughs> there's, there's school, which is like, school is real and that's gonna prepare you for the real world. And, you know, then there's video games, which is like a waste of time and it rots your brain and, you know, it, makes you into a delinquent and, and all of this kind of stuff. And we're just, you know, off. We, only we could get our young people to stop being so addicted to video games and they could learn skills that would actually, you know, help them in the real world. And it's like, I, I think in July, it's like a month ago, there was this thing called the Fortnite World Cup. Oh yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> and like, like people or eight people, or I don't remember exactly what the exact number was, but like became millionaires. And they're all like teeny boppers. Like the, there's a guy who's like 16 who won the grand prize and he just walked away with $3 million. And insane. It, it's unbelievable. And not, you know, like, you know, on the other end, it's like, you know, maybe like, you know, stereotypically not to get too much into like the, the gender role stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> old, like don't play video games. Maybe a lot of girls were told like, Hey, stop spending so much time on your appearance. You're so vain. Mm, yeah. But like, if you look at it, it's like, okay, well the youngest ever billionaire, like I don't even think youngest ever female billionaire. I think she's just the youngest ever billionaire kylie jenner basically like leveraged a social media following into like a makeup company or something like that and literally just 
became a billionaire at like age 21. Which is insane. Just insane. And I'm not saying that, you know, like everybody out there, we can like, you know, recreate that kind of like lightning in a bottle, but it, it should be enough for all of us to like stop, start thinking about it. And like, you know what, there's more to the picture than we originally thought about. And like, maybe, you know, we've never really stopped and thought about like, how is money made in general? And like, what's the smartest way for me to like go out and pursue it and craft a career that I actually enjoy and that does something that society actually values and, and figure out how to leverage it uh, into a way that, that makes money. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I think about is, you know, and I'll ask you actually, uh, if we were to ask like the average person, you, you know, your average listener or just the average person that you, you walk into um, on the street, like you run into on the street, what would you say they would say? Like, if we said like, Hey, there, there's only one way to make money. What kind of answers do you think we'd get? I mean, my immediate just work for it, but I mean, that's so, I mean, that's such a work. Yeah. Hard work. Yeah. That would probably be the answer. I, I think. And like, you know, I'll definitely grant that like hard work is often very important to, to making money. But one of the things that I was thinking about is like, it's not strictly necessary. There are people out there who, you know, just, you know, maybe they own a business or maybe they have lots of money uh, invested in the stock market and they're making money. Like money is coming in and it's not dependent on how hard they work. And in fact, they can like just stop working and they'll keep getting paid because they have ownership of, of these assets. So that's like one thing that's crazy where it's like, you know, there's some people who are working really hard, mm -hmm. harder than you or I are working and not making hardly anything. So there's some sense in which it's like, you can move the needle a little bit by working hard, but it's like, if you're not aiming at the right things, if you're not doing things the right way, the, the hard work, you know, isn't going to be enough to overcome the fact that you're doing things wrong. And so to some extent, hard work, I think is correlated with making money, uh, but to some extent it's not. One of the things I'm worried that people might say is, you know, uh, the, the phrase good job. Well, you, you make mm, yes. good job, you know, you become a doctor or a lawyer or like a senior manager or, or something like that. Cause that's, I think the, the path that we're all like pushed into by default. Mm -hmm. And if that's what you want to do, I mean, that's great. I, I think it's awesome, but it's not necessarily for everybody. And I think a lot of us feel, you know, pressured into that. And it's especially like, you know, people who are college age and who go to college, you know, they get this, this sense of like, oh man, like I've got to pick something right now in the next four years. And I know nothing about the world. Um, that's going to basically define me for the next 40 years. And it's terrifying. And it's like, I better pick the right one too, because, you know, I, I need to get that quote, good job when mm, I go yeah. And, you know, I, I, it caused me a lot of stress in college. I've known a lot of people who it's caused stress in, in college. And, um, you know, I, I, I think there's a much better way of, of thinking about it. And I think it's like, if we all kind of realize like what it is that actually works to make money, uh, we could all create situations for ourselves that are much, much better than what we've been stuck with by default. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I just, it's, it's so true. So many people are really kind of pushed into a path that they don't necessarily want to take, uh, just because expectation and, you know, all that fun 
life stuff. But my question to you is, okay, so it's not hard work. If it's not a good job, what is the number, like, what's the, what, I can't speak today. What (laughs) is the number one thing or the only way to make money? All right. So here it is. I'll expand on it in a minute, but let's let it sink for a second. The only way to make money is by selling. Interesting. Selling what? Like, what exactly do you mean here? So there's like a billion things you could sell. You could sell a product, you could sell a service, you could sell an asset, you could sell somebody else's product, service, or or asset. You could rent stuff out, which is really just selling, but you're selling uh, an asset like it's a service, right? So if you're like renting out your house, that's like an asset, but you're, you know, you're saying like, hey, you you have the service and you can live here or like you're renting out like, you know, rent a center, you rent a TV, like you're, you're basically selling that product, that TV as a service, like you can have this for a little bit, uh, a little bit. Um, but like, you know, as I, the more I thought about it, like everything, like you could say, well, there's some people who don't sell anything, right? They're, they're, they're day traders. They work on Wall Street. It's like, really, they're not selling anything. Because I thought day trading was buying and selling stocks mm-hmm. and other securities. And, you know, when you think about it, it's like, think about the way that you uh, spend money. So not the way that you get money, but the way that you spend money. Like we live in a transaction-based economy. So what happens is somebody provides you with something that's valuable to you, whether it's food, whether it's a service, whether it's a, a product that you're really into, and you just hand your money over and you don't even think twice about it. And, you know, basically it's the same thing in reverse. Anytime that you're making money, you have a value proposition for somebody. You say, I'll give you this in exchange for that money. Mm-hmm. And there's like an infinite variety of things that we can do with that. Uh, but what would you say is the most common thing that people sell? Ooh, I know this. I know this. And I only know this because I'm a virtual assistant. And if I don't know this, then I, my marketing is going to be really bad. And that's time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, time. And, you know, to some extent, there's nothing wrong with, with selling time. And some people even get a, a very lucrative uh, rate for their time, right? So everybody's working for, for time that's an employee. We call it either mm-hmm. like a wage if they're getting paid by the year or, or, or uh, by the hour or a salary if they're getting paid by the year. Um, and, you know, some people get a really, really good rate for their time. And that's great. And like consultants and people. And if you're in the service business and, you know, we're getting compensated by your time, uh, the key is, you know, figuring out how to make your time as valuable as possible, or maybe even, you know, charging by the project, yeah, you know, offering some kind of good value proposition. But one of the fundamental problems with, with getting paid based on time is that time and money are, are these two constraints that we both, that we all have that uh, are obstacles in terms of living the life we want to live. Like we need time to do the things we want to do. And chances are we need money to do the things that we want to do. But ultimately it's the time one that's going to be more valuable, right? On your deathbed, you're going to be like, man, I wish I had more time. You're probably not going to be like, man, I wish I had more money. You might be, but you're probably not going to be like that. And so what happens is if your only mindset about making money is I've got to trade time for money, then you know that's a smarter uh, strategy when you're younger and you have a lot of time ahead of you and basically like no money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much how my business was built. <laughs> so yes, I understand. But then like at some point it starts to flip and it's really hard to say when it flips for everybody, but it's going to flip where you're like, well, wait a minute. I'll, you know, now it's like, and like for me, I've got like kids and stuff and it's like, man, I would much rather, you know, have, time with my kids 
than, you know, another however much money a year in income. Yeah. Because like, man, the, the, the time, like they're only going to be this young once. I, my wife said that to me the other day, very wise woman. My wife. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think I was snuggling with my daughter um, and she said something like, she's only going to be this little today. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. And, you know, it's very true. And I still snuggle with her, but she's a little bit bigger and it's not quite as snuggly. And like every time she gets bigger, it's like, well, we're getting closer to that time. She's not going to want to snuggle anymore. Uh, and so it's like, you know, I gotta, I gotta make the most of that time. One of my uh, favorite posts ever, actually, it's a, a blog called wait, but why and he does great, like illustrated posts and he called it the tail end. And so what he was doing is he had these different visualizations of like, you know, here's how to view your life where like each square represents a year or each square in this one represents a week or each square in this one represents a, a day. And, uh, but then what he started to do is he started to, to think like, well, wait a minute. I can start to calculate how much time of doing different things I have left. It's like right now I've moved to a different city and I only see my parents, you know, maybe like 10 days a year. So I used to see them basically every day for like 18 years. Now I only see them 10 days a year. And so if that's true, then, and they live to be, you know, a ripe old age of like 80 or 90, then basically I've actually used up more than 90% already of my in-person time with my parents. So we're like at the tail end and that's why the post was called uh, the, the tail end. But mm-hmm. it's, it's something that just makes you think like, well, well, okay, wait a minute. You know, we, we, you know, we definitely need money and we know that trading time for money works. People are willing to pay us for our time, but it helps to start thinking about like, well, what's a better strategy. And the interesting thing about time is that you can't save time. Like you can save money. And what I mean by that is, like if we say that, if we use the phrase colloquially, like I saved 10 minutes, what we really mean is we did something more efficiently. So in other words, like there was this task that was going to take me 30 minutes, but I did it more efficiently. And so I, I did it in 20 minutes. And so I saved 10 minutes, but those 10 minutes are gone in 10 minutes. It's not like you can bank those and like put them in the bank and sa- save them up for later and say, well, you know, uh, a year from now, I'm going to cash in that, that free 10 minutes that I saved up. The 10 minutes is gone in the blink of an eye. You know, whereas with money, you can actually put it in the bank, use it later. And so I think it's so important to realize that with time, there's three things that we can do with time. And the first thing that you can do with time is you can waste it. Not always a bad thing, but you don't want to do too much of this. So wasting it would be something that provides no current or future benefit. So that's like scrolling mindlessly on Facebook, right? your mind is just like under control of this algorithm and you're just seeing if anything interesting pops up. And I mean, again, sometimes that can be fine. You got to watch out for that becoming too much. Yeah. The next thing you can do with, with time though, is you can spend it like you can spend money. And so when you're spending it, doing something, you're doing it intentionally and it's something that provides you with a current benefit, but not necessarily a, a future benefit. And so like if you're an employee and you go to work, the hours that you're putting in are basically spending time. You're spending time, you're trading hours for dollars, which again, can be fine. But in 10 years, you're not going to be still getting paid for the time that you put in 10 years ago. Um, And then the final thing you can do with time though, is you can invest it. So time is a resource, just like money's a resource. You can invest money, which you should do, and you can invest time. 
and you can invest time. Uh, the, the thing that I thought of, I think one of the big insights that people need to start grappling with is that you can invest your time creating something you can sell besides time. And so that time that you invest up front is probably not going to be paid, unlike, you know, we're used to getting paid for the work that we put in, but you front load it and you get something on the other end that you can just sort of keep selling. And so you can scale it up without necessarily having to invest more time. And so like, for example, one of the, the classic examples or a couple would be either like a book or like a CD. Like if, a, if an artist records a CD, um, you know, they don't have to, and of course this is all digital now, but you know, they don't have to go out and keep performing that same song over and over and over again. They record it once and they can keep selling it. Now, of course, to build a big enough following where there's enough people that want to buy it, there's probably ongoing marketing, ongoing work. They probably still do need to like play some shows, but they've also created this other thing on the side. And now it's even better where it's digital because now it's like, it's not even a CD. There's nothing physical. It's like on iTunes, right? Somebody can buy it, you know, buy their song for like 99 cents, click of a button. Um, but there's this idea that they put in some work that they didn't get paid for. And in fact, they probably even had to pay for it because, you know, maybe you had to like, you know, studio recording time isn't free, that kind of thing. But you have something that is not dependent on you putting in more time in a linear way uh, to make it scale. You know, you can put in more time, but you can sell basically as many copies as people you can reach, not as the amount of time that you put into it. So I have a question for you because I 100% agree with you and I just know how my brain used to work and I would love to hear what your advice would be for how I used to be. So my biggest thing was for this was the idea of the fact I had to basically train myself and my mindset to transition from, okay, I'm not, I'm selling time and this is the only way that I can, um, make money in the way that is like, I am selling my time to do my services for my client. Right. How could I, or so my biggest thing was like, be like, okay, like every hour that I invest in making a product or creating something to sell, that's not based on like time in the present time, if that makes sense. Um, hopefully you're following. Right. Uh, how do you like get people to really, or maybe not get people like, but how would you encourage people to be like, you know, actually this is going to be better in the long run because there are no, at least with the idea of like, okay, if I'm working five hours at my job, I'm going to get paid 50 bucks an hour or whatever it is, that's guaranteed 250 bucks. Right. Where it's like, okay, I put five hours into this product. I, it might yield nothing. There's no right. guarantee and people don't like a, no guarantee. Right? right. So what would you say to them to be like, you know what, you've got to change your mind. Right. Well, so, you know, in all honesty, I think the, the core mindset change that, uh, that needs to happen here is one that um, views failure as being final mm. versus one that views failure as a stepping stone on the road to success. And so here's what I mean by that. You know, I think it's very, very, very likely. In fact, not just very likely. I'm going to say, I'm going to come out and say guaranteed guaranteed that uh, if an average one of your listeners tries to invest their time into creating something they can sell besides time, they're going to fail. But the mindset sh shift is what I mean by fail is the initial results are going to be disappointing. 
And there's two things you can do with that. You can say, okay, this isn't for me. And you can stop. Or you can do what every successful person ever has done, which is to say, okay, I wonder what wasn't quite right about this one. And I wonder what I can do better next time on my next attempt. And the assumption there that there will be a next attempt. And you know, what happens with everybody that I've ever heard from that is uh, successful, whether it's me talking to them, whether it's me reading about them or reading something directly from them or listening to their story on like their YouTube channel is uh, almost nothing they did worked. You know, they were like, oh, I just started experimenting with this either just because I liked it or just because I thought I could make a little bit of money or, you know, there's different reasons. And then it's like, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. I was super disappointed with the results. But then, you know, I learned this and I changed this and I, I iterated with this and I, I kept going, kept going. And eventually something just started to click and then, you know, momentum started to take over. And one of the things that I'll mention, you know, uh, human brains are not equipped to think about compound interest and compound interest, I think is the basis of all good things in life. And so when it comes to investing money, and I think everybody should be investing money, uh, you know, compound interest doesn't look like anything special at first. It's like, man, I had to sacrifice all this money and I just made a little bit. It's like, yeah, but that little bit is going to keep making more and more and it's going to scale and it's going to grow. And it's the same thing with investing your time. You know, at first, if you're, if you're all caught up on this idea of like, how much am I getting paid per hour? You're like, oh, I put, you know, X amount of hours into this project and made Y amount of dollars. And if you do the math, that's a, a lower rate than what I just get charged, you know, when I, when I sell my time to my employer at work. But what tends to happen is the more that you put yourself and your work out there, the more connections that you make. And I'll just use the example here of like, let's just say, you know, the new media and like YouTube. And I think YouTube has been around long enough now that a lot of people are actually familiar, like, hey, you can make money on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and most people won't. Most people will, will, will fail it. And I think the biggest obstacle that holds people back is just saying, well, I tried it. It didn't work. It's not for me. And maybe in rare cases, that's right. And there's something else you should have done because you're actually better with the written word. And so you should have been, you know, blogging and writing instead of, you know, trying to do video. But I think the majority of cases, it's like, well, no, nothing happens at first. Like you put your stuff out there and there's too much competition because there's, you know, uh, 10,000 other people that just heard they can make money on YouTube. So they're putting up, you know, 10,000 videos at the same time as you. There's not much reason for people to pick yours. But, you know, each additional video you put out is an additional opportunity for somebody to find you, to connect with you. And each additional video you put out is another opportunity for somebody to get caught up on your backlog, right? Because if you have a hundred videos and somebody discovers your channel and they love it, they can go, oh, wow, look at all this other great content. And in fact, that makes them more likely to subscribe because, you know, it's one thing to watch a video that's really good. But a lot of times what people do is they'll be like, oh, I want to see what else this person's done. And if they've done other good videos, you'll subscribe. And if they haven't, you'll get bored and like go away. And so it's hard for us to think ahead of time about like how these things are going to scale about, you know, how valuable one follower is and how one follower can lead to three more followers down the road because you don't see it all at once. And so uh, it's this mindset of like, I'm going to be in it for the long haul. And also this mindset of like, I can do it, right? It's this can do attitude. Like it's not that I'm a failure. It's that 
I was just getting started. I didn't know what I was doing. And I have to have the humility to learn and grow and iterate and experiment and, you know, try out different things and, and see where that takes me. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned the idea of like compound interest because so many people are, they don't see what success really is. They don't see the hard work, the behavioral changes, right. the I want to say sacrifices. I don't really view it like that, but many people would say sacrifices uh, that you had to make in order to grow your business or become a successful YouTube uh, channel or whatever it is. And it really does happen. And I, I think it's funny that we're having this interview right now because yesterday, my client that I worked for for two years, she has had um, great growth in the last two years. She's put focus on Pinterest and Instagram and really crazy on YouTube and all this great stuff. And yesterday she was digging through Google and she realized that in the last week, we have not really been doing much in the last uh, month or so, to be honest, with her social media. And all of a sudden she's trending on Google and we're all just like, what happened? Or most of them were like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And I just go, or it's all the hard work we've been doing for the last two years has finally paid off and right. now we're seeing it. So like, maybe it's that. Right. It's and so funny, know, yeah. Yeah, the, the hard work it, and the results, they're asynchronous. And that's so hard for people to wrap their, their head around. But it's like, when we think about it, it's like, you know, maybe something happened that like some other more well-known blogger like featured her or something. Mm -hmm, yeah. Chalk that up to luck, but not really. I mean, it is the result of hard work because you didn't put the work out there. The, the blogger couldn't discover you. So the timing of it is luck. Like whether that happened, you know, uh, two years ago, earlier on, or it happens, you know, later, or it happens now, that's luck. But it's the hard work that created the conditions for the luck to take effect, if that makes any sense. So it's like, you know, you never know when that one person who could make a difference is going to stumble across your work. You never know when, um, you know, that one share is going to happen that makes something go viral. You never, you never know, you know, th th there can be these tipping points that you don't even really see because, you know, the, the, the piece that you put out that resonated was posted a year ago, but the right people didn't see it a year ago, but the right person saw it now. And so, you know, you might not even know that, okay, this was the thing that, that triggered it because it's like, that was a year ago. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. You're looking at the things that you're doing now and it's like, I haven't been doing anything right now. Like I've been kind of taking it easy this month and what happened? Yeah. And I think it really comes down to, and you said it, maybe not in this exact word, but it really just comes down to being patient too. Um, because you hear it, it's the buzzword. You have to have patience. You have to have patience. And people are like, I want it now and all that fun stuff. But like, honestly, like you actually need patience. It doesn't, we're over, I am a believer and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. We're over the age of the digital marketer that can literally go from zero to a million dollars overnight. Like yeah. there'll be that rare case. Don't get me wrong. Someone's going to cite me and be like, Oh, there's this person, but yeah. we're not there anymore. We're not in that instant yeah. gratification phase, even though it really never really existed, but it was a bit easier. What? 10 years ago, a right. bit, a bit. <laughs> um, but uh, patience is just, it's so important and patience and failure, as you said, like they go hand in hand. Like you need to be able to sit through like those feelings of like, Oh my God, I failed in this try but next try I might not, or I failed, but what did I learn? Or I failed, but like I got these three amazing um, networking 
like colleagues out of it or whatever it is. Like there are so many things. And the best part is, and I find this always happens is a year or two years, or even maybe just a few months or weeks that failure you'll then see in a year. You're like, Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't a failure at all. That was actually one hundred percent meant to happen because that means I was able to meet this person and that person gave me this thing or whatever. Um, and it, I, to go a little woo woo on you, Matthew is like, it, it also comes down to like trusting that like, it's all going to work out. Yes. That, that's a huge part of it. The trust and, you know, mindset is so, so key here. I'll, I'll share this one uh, thing that I thought was brilliant. Uh, this comes from a book called, um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. It's by a guy named T. Harvecker. I really like the book. Um, he has these 17, uh, he calls them wealth files, like, um, but they're basically like mindset shifts that you need to adopt uh, if you want to build wealth. And uh, they're all phrased, you know, rich people do this, poor people do this. Now, I want to throw out the disclaimer that I'm not, you know, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, a better way of putting that might be like broke people or people who find themselves broke because, you know, you don't want to stigmatize poor mm -hmm. and all that. But that being said, uh, the, the one of the ones that's always stuck with me is that uh, rich people see opportunities, poor people see obstacles. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And so when it comes to doing something like this or, or doing anything really, I mean, that's just got to be your thing is like, you know, yes, there's going to be hardships. Yes, there's going to be failure. Yes, there's going to be things that it's like, I don't know how I'm going to work my way around it. But am I seeing the opportunity and chasing that? Or am I paralyzed because I'm just seeing the obstacles? And I mean, because you can find obstacles in everything. Like, you know, we've mentioned YouTube channels. It's like, oh, well, it's saturated. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's true. But there's still people who are finding success who are, you know, just starting out. And there's people who just started today who will find success. Um, you know, are, are you thinking about the opportunity that's there and are you going to go chase that? Or are you thinking about the obstacle that's, that's going to hold you back? Um, you know, I think about like, it's a weird thing that like, you, you know, you'll talk to people who are like, I had the idea for Uber before Uber. My question is always, then why didn't you do anything with it? And I think the answer to that question is this mindset shift is because you were seeing the obstacles not the opportunity. You were like, well, I don't really know how to start a business and I don't know how to figure out the financial side of it. And I don't know what I would do about getting a, you know, incorporated and I don't know what kind of paperwork is necessary. And I don't know about hiring and I don't, you know, what about competition? How do we compete with taxi cabs and what about regulation? And, and it's like, that's not the way the founder of Uber, whoever that was, was thinking about it. They're just like, okay, there's this opportunity to do this Let's just put out the best version I can of this service. And then, you know, it'll improve and get better as we figure out what needs to change. And as we encounter the obstacles, we'll, we'll solve them. Like you always solve the obstacles that, that come up in your life. And so, you know, one of the two of you is incredibly successful. The guy who said, I'm going to focus on the opportunities. And one person just, you know, keeps saying, oh, I had that idea and, you know, never does anything. Yeah. And I, to me, that's actually sums up perfectly. My biggest grievance with people is I, I am full of ideas, surprise entrepreneur. I know. Um, and whenever I talk to them with, or talk about them with family members or loved ones or friends or whatever, there, a lot of them always are like, Oh, but like this and this and this, and they're always saying, Oh, like you want to be prepared. And I'm like, no. Yeah, you wanna you wanna you wanna leap before you're ready. It's um, 
So I, Chris Gillibo, who's the author of Side Hustle, he has, he's got a great quote along those lines. I, I can't quote it exactly. I'll probably butcher it, but it's, you know, basically like, you know, uh, just like start before you're ready and just, you know, change and improve and adapt as you go on. There's also Tim Ferriss, you know, the, the, the famous um, entrepreneur. He's the author of like the four hour work week and other uh, really popular books like that. And um, he had a very keen observation that goes along with what you're saying about telling people. And um, he basically said like, be careful about telling anybody what you're doing before you start. Cause there's this thing that happens where you like have this idea and you get really excited about it. And then you start to tell somebody and they're probably looking out for your best interest. They just don't want you to get too ahead of yourself. And so they're trying to, they think they're doing you a service by grounding you or, you know, tethering you back to reality. Um, but they'll, they'll try to basically kill your idea. Like, well, you know, don't get your hopes up here. There's this problem with it. There's that problem. There's the other problem. And what Tim Ferriss says is like, listen, people are quick to stop you before you've gotten started, but they're slow to get in the way if you've got momentum, right? If you actually are doing something, if you're already going and you're like, look, here's what I'm doing and here's the, you know, initial results. Uh, it's much less likely that they're going to be like, oh, stop that. Like, you're, you know, you're never going to go anywhere with that. They're going to be like, oh, wow, that's cool. You're actually doing this. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it's good to tell people, but it's like, you got to be careful. Like, don't tell too many people because one of your friends is just that person that, you know, and you love them, but they've got that toxic mindset that's going to just shoot you down before you even get going. Yeah. And yeah, a hundred percent. Thank you for taking over the conversation. I just died on the other end. You'd have no idea, guys, but I just choked a little bit. So I'm good. But yeah, exactly. I have a few main players in my circle slash family that are very, very, we'll say toxic. We'll leave it at that. And it's true. As soon as I'm in action and I'm showing them that I'm doing something, they're all like, okay, cool. But the other ones, are like, if, if I'm not doing that, right. they're like, Ooh, should you really put on something else? Like you've got a lot going on or right. maybe this isn't, shouldn't you focus on your other business and get it to where you want it to be before you take on something else? And like, it'd be just Debbie Downers. I'm just going to use right. that term, you know? So uh, it's so true. And I think it really does come back to that simple mindset shift of looking as failures, as opportunities and not as obstacles or um, being really excited and being like, even if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to know that I gave it my all and I tried. Right. And who is going to be upset about that? And you know, let's, let's just well, think about an example here. Think about a baby learning how to walk. That's something we all had to do at one point, right? Yeah. Nobody sees a baby take their first steps and then fall over and go, <laughs> clearly not a walker here. I mean, look, they just fell. <laughs> Right. You look at it, you go, Oh my goodness. They just took a step. Like you, you're ecstatic. And that should be the, like, that should be the mindset that we have when you're doing something new. Why would you expect to, you know, just get up and start walking? Like you're going to get up and fall over and clear cut indication that this isn't cut out for me. That should be like, wow, I almost took a step. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's so true. That's so funny. I think I've read that some like a similar example in a book or something, or I, I don't know where I read it, or maybe it was in an article that you wrote or something. And I remember that using that example. And I was like, that's actually so true. Nobody does yell at a child and says, oh my gosh, get up, keep going or like whatever. It's like, oh my God, you've done the first thing you need to do in order to walk. 
Right. I mean, which is, uh, it's just an amazing accomplishment. And I, you know, I think for all of us, you know, I, and again, so back to mindset, like uh, Carol Dweck, she, she wrote a book that's actually called Mindset. Love and, that book. Love it. Uh, one, of the, one of the core ideas, right, is this idea of the, the, the fixed mindset versus the, the growth mindset. Yeah. And I didn't realize, you know, growing up how much the fixed mindset was instilled in me. Basically this idea that like everything that needs to be known about me is already known about my skills and ability and potential. And like maybe with hard work, I can get like a 5% improvement, but you know, that's even a lot to hope for. I mean, that's the way that I kind of viewed myself is like, okay, if, if, if it's not already there that people are like, yeah, you're really exceptionally good at this, then I'm never going to be exceptionally good at anything versus like, well, okay, you know, there's maybe some natural talents that are just like, um, you know, not necessarily exceptional, but like they can be developed. And maybe even some of the areas that I don't see myself as being good in, they can be developed too, if I just work hard enough at them. Now, of course, you know, nature versus nurture, that whole thing, some things can't be developed. Like I'm not going to ever dunk a basketball like LeBron James or Michael Jordan in their prime. Like I've made my peace with that. But when it comes to making money, the skills that are needed are not skills that are like genetically hardwired, you know, talent in there, you know, and it's not like perfect pitch where it's like nurture and it needs to be that, you know, period of like when you're a baby. Uh, it's all about deliberate practice and, you know, skills that can be learned because like we've mentioned, you know, the one way to make money is selling, but there's a billion different ways to do it. And so some combination of skills that you have uh, can be leveraged to do this, to make money. And if you want to get into like the new media and like uh, podcasts and, and YouTube and, and blogging and that kind of thing, I mean, then it's pretty clear. Like you just need to use some combination of the skills that you have to either uh, educate entertain or inspire your audience. Those are the, those are the core things that they're wanting there and then figure out a way to sell something, whether you're selling advertising, whether you're doing affiliate marketing and selling somebody else's product, whether you create your own product, online course, whatever you're selling that some kind of, you know, ebook or a, a printable, it doesn't matter. You can sell anything, but just some way to leverage uh, that asset of trust that you've built with your audience through providing them a valuable service. And, you know, if you can do that and if you can, you know, iterate and change and adapt, it's like you're going to be able to make money. You'll be able to find profit basically anywhere, right? And just roads and avenues and opportunities will, will open for you and it's going to seem like magic. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Matthew. Oh, I can't speak. Today is just struggling. <clears throat> Thank you so much for being on the podcast it's been a treat. I hate to cut us short, but we've just been chatting for so long and it's been beautiful and the convo has been flowing and I love it so much. Um, and I can literally talk for days, so I'm really just cutting myself off. Um, but you have a website that you, not a website, you have a web page that you've created specifically for the podcast so they can get all the things from you. And yeah. before you sign off, I'd love to hear what uh, the audience listeners can expect. Yeah. So uh, the page is my website, thematthewkent.com slash VF for virtually free. Uh, so it's thematthewkent.com slash VF. And so you can get my, my free productivity guide. It's a, a free ebook PDF uh, download. Uh, I link to where you can follow me on social media. I link to my own podcast. Uh, I curated um, 
several articles specifically that I think based on this conversation, your, your audience might be uh, interested in. So those are all linked down there. And um, uh, it's like a special link too, because those are all on Medium. And usually you have to be uh, like a paid Medium member to, to read those. But um, because I'm the author, I can like give out a special, they call it a friends and family link so people can read it. For Ooh, free. I didn't know that. Yeah. So That's whether, exciting. Whether or not your audience uh, are paid Medium members, they can still read that premium content for free. And uh, it's all on there, thematthewkent.com slash VF. Amazing. And I will include that in the show notes below. So if you're looking for it, you don't have to look too far. Uh, well, again, it's been a pleasure, Matthew. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, my pleasure, Amy. Thank you so much for inviting me. This has been a blast. It has been, hasn't it? And okay, before you go, I always get our guests or, or experts to leave the audience with some wonderful words of wisdom. So I'll let you take it away. Ooh, wonderful words, words of wisdom. Okay, so um, here would be mine. Uh, and it's just a very simple statement. We need your contribution.